What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 12 of No One's Ready for Wrestling, where I just talk professional wrestling. I am your host, the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes, Shino Phoenix here, and I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast. Uh, a lot has happened uh, this week, but uh, a lot of wrestling news related. But man, I got a. I, I'm, it's going to be a huge rant mode coming out of this episode, but. I want to thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. You guys absolutely killed it on Twitter with the followers because we are damn near close to 500 followers. Like, it went from 400 to 488. That is unfucking believable Like, I did the Dream Match Tuesday, the Wrestling Wednesdays, the Follow Fridays, but I think you guys like the Dream Match Tuesday, and I will reveal the winner of the latest Dream Match Tuesday at the end of this podcast. You guys know the drill. Anchor has been the best sponsor of this podcast. Have you ever wanted to try podcasting? You you have no equipment. You're trying to figure out what you want to do, where you want to publish your podcast. Well, the answer is simple. Just go to Anchor, my friend. Anchor.fm slash start. It is really easy to use. It's 100% free, and you can talk about anything. You could talk about wrestling like I do. You could talk about any sports. You could talk about video games, anime, music, anything. You could talk about anything. But here, I talk professional wrestling because that's my passion, and I love professional wrestling. So if you do have Anchor, I will look forward to hearing what you guys are doing. But if you don't, it's easy. Sign up and uh, just go to anchor.fm slash start. Once again, anchor.fm slash start. You're going to hear me advertising this at the end of this podcast follow me on twitter you guys absolutely killed it absolutely killed it with the follows and i I just can't appreciate how much of this hard work i'm doing not just on twitter but this podcast but we i was just at a minor 400 like last week but this week we reached the maximum we reached it higher 488. I just can't put it in words. We are so close to 500. You you guys don't know how excited I am for that. And when we reach 500, I want to reach 1,000. And I want to continue to grow what I do, not just on Twitter, but just on this platform. So follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. And follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. You can continue to email me your questions at the one and only Phoenix, 1993 at gmail.com. Please include your name where you're from. That way I can shout you out. And I just got one simple question for you. Are you ready for this podcast? Because I am. Now, before we talk about John Moxley, I want to mention this. For anyone who's listening down here in Louisiana, um, Wildcat is doing a show on June 23rd, if I'm correct. And X-Rated is going to be at the Shamrock Bar and Grill. And Coke freaking Cabana is going to be there. Coke Cabana. See me front row. Tickets go on sale on May 10th. If you are listening to this podcast down in the Big South, the Big Easy. Or if you want to travel down here and see Wildcat Wrestling, give it a go, man. I want people to experience Wildcat. It's the best indie promotion down here in the South. I'm telling you right now. And you get to interact with them, with wrestlers during intermissions. It's it's a fun environment. I will let you in on that. And you might see yours truly sitting front row. So I just want to give that a quick shout out right there. 
Now, I want to talk about John Moxley for a second. Now, there was this Now, we know Dean Ambrose is dead and gone. The Dean Ambrose character is gone. John Moxley is returning. And I couldn't be more excited for that. I was watching that video numerous times and I just I like I just I lost my mind, you know, because this is the this is something that we should have seen in WWE, but you know, you know, WWE has to make it all PG and all that, and, and I'm a hardcore guy a little bit. I like hardcore stuff. But John Moxley, his video is currently at like 2.6 million viewers right now. And there was hints that was thrown out in the uh, this video that you watch. And now, from what I see, he was at a jail cell, and it looks like he was being held captive, which I thought is a semblance to WWE holding him hostage. And him breaking out and having two dogs chasing him, I could interpret that in two either ways. It's either one being Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns trying to get him back into the WWE, or Vince McMahon and the management are trying to get him back. Now, I read this news article. I read this article on Wrestling News, and there were hints that John Moxley might be going to All Elite Wrestling. Not, I don't think it's going to be now, but whether the case may be because he's already. He already has been booked for uh, indie shows in June next month. But, I mean, it's it could happen. Never say never. That's what everyone says, right? Now, uh, the first is that, of course, John Moxley, he lives in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm not calling him Dean Ambrose anymore. This is John Moxley we're talking about. He lives in Las Vegas. AEW, of course, is going to be taking place in Las Vegas at the... Uh, I, I keep forgetting. But it's going to take place in Las Vegas. Now, several fans, now this is from Wrestling News, I'm reading this from Wrestling News, several fans noted that Cody Rhodes liked Moxley's video shortly after it was posted. Gee, if that does not tell you that he wants him in AEW, I don't know what is. Um, Moxley is shown walking the streets, breaking out of jail, and he was noticed a Viper Room, which is located in Hollywood, California. The Viper Room logo includes two dice that reads two and five. Which, of course, Double or Nothing is on May 25th. And they also mentioned that another clue that pointed to AEW is his last interview with WWE. He talked about walking into a casino several years ago, and now he is taking his chips and cashing in. And another another thing that uh, people pointed out was that how he broke out of prison and the dogs are supposed to represent WWE, like I said, or Roman and Seth trying to... Give, get him back with all all the money that they're trying to throw at him. Dean, I'm about to say Dean Ambrose. John Moxley just turned it down. So I'm actually excited for John Moxley. I I honestly think he'll be in AEW one of these one of these days. If he's at Double or Nothing, that's a big surprise. But uh, he is booked for indie shows in June. But I mean, never say never. You know what could happen. We don't know what's gonna happen. And speaking of AEW. Tuesday night, Dynamite! What's the update status on this show? Several months ago, word, and this is from Wrestling News, I'm reading this on Wrestling News. Several months ago, word got about All Elite Wrestling trademarking Tuesday Night Dynamite for their weekly television show. Apparently, TV talks were far enough that the feeling was that Tuesday night was a safe bet because SmackDown will be moved to uh, Friday. And it would make sense to have Tuesday Night Dynamite on a Tuesday. 
A couple months ago, Dave Meltzer noted in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that Tuesday Night Dynamite idea was dead and it was looking like their weekly show would happen on a different night, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but now it's back. Things changed. It's alive. So from what I'm reading here, it looks like we might be getting it on TNT, but the reason it's not announced yet because you got other t- you got another major network bet uh, in talks with All Elite Wrestling, but uh, it's most likely it's going to be on TNT. That's my pick. I'm I'm looking forward to this, and I, I think this would be the best way to counteract what happened with two with SmackDown on Tuesday, and they move to Friday, and then we get AEW on a Tuesday. I'm down with that. I am absolutely down with that. And speaking of double or nothing, Seema has revealed his partners for this six-man tag team match. Now, he revealed that his partners will be T-Hawk and L. Lindemann. And they will take on SCU, of course, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. The best! The best! The best! The best! Sorry, I had... I had a wrestle circus in my mind, <laughs> but I think this is going to be great. Uh, I'm, I don't know much about, uh, Al Lindemann and T-Hawk, but, uh, let's see what they could do. They let them get a first impression on me. So double or nothing is shaping up to be one of the best shows of the year. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. And let's talk, let's transition from that and move to new Japan pro wrestling. I recently watched the Wrestling Duntaku show for two nights, and I have some big takeaways from this match. Now, after the six-man match with uh, Robinson, Goto, and Nicholas versus Nichols versus White, Fale, and Owens, we got a vignette of a new wrestler making their debut on New Japan on June 5th. Now, most people thought it was going to be... Um, Hiromu Takahashi, but that's what my first instinct was when it said time's up, but it was from the UK, so that has to eliminate that. My guess, I think, is going to be Chris Brooks. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be Chris Brooks, and I think he's eyeing for Juice Robinson's uh, IWGP United States Championship. We had Taichi beating Jeff Cobb for the Never Openweight Championship, and I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought it was a pretty good match, but it's sad that Jeff Cobb's reign had to end prematurely, to say the least. Because I I was looking for a Jeff Cobb uh, title reign as the uh, never openweight champion, but it is what it is. We had an excellent match between uh, Dragon Lee and Taiji Shimori. Fast paced, it was physical, it was just brutal, but. Dragon Lee, he retained here. He retained the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which I thought was an excellent match. And he's and I like Dragon Lee's re- reasoning as to why he's holding that title. He's waiting for t- he's waiting for Hiromu Takahashi to recover, and he wants another match with him. I'm down with that. If Hiromu is healed up in time, Hiromu's getting that belt back. That's just me. When he comes back, Hiromu is getting that belt. And I recently watched Night 2. We had the debut of El Phantasmo. Love his entrance, by the way. That light-up jacket reminds me of Chris Jericho for some reason. And he beat, he teamed up with Taiji to t- to beat the team of Will Ospreay and uh, 
and Dragon Lee, which is a way to highlight um, El Phantasmo. And El Phantasmo is a fucking beast, by the way. And if you don't know who he is, you're in for a treat. We had uh, Naito beating the team of Sho, Yo, and Kota Ibushi with uh, Shingo Tagaki and Bushi. Now, Naito, after the match, Naito wanted a... T- I'm trying to put it in words here. I can't even fucking speak right now. Now, Naito wants the Naito. He wants the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match with Abushi at Dominion, which is their second uh, big show. I'm down with that. Another Kota Abushi versus Naito match. Take my money. Take my motherfucking money. We had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I believe this was during the intermission, if I'm correct. Hiroshi Tanahashi made his surprise return, talked about his elbow injury, talked about his lowest of low, following his win in the G1 Climax last year, and him winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from Kenny Omega. Now, he announced that he's returning to the ring on June 5th, and then you got that slick SOB, Jay White, who comes out, tells Tanahashi to get in the back of the line, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And he attacks him, tries to damage the repair elbow. And I love Jay White, man. He is thriving so damn good as a heel. And I think people, I think he's just literally going quickly up in that category as one of the best heels in the pro wrestling business right now. We had an amazing, physical, brutal match between Tomohiro Ishii and Evil. Now, Ishii, he picked up the win here. He delivered the brain buster to uh, beat Evil. I just want you to watch that match. I can't put it in words on how great that match really is. And if if you're not a subscriber to New Japan, what are you waiting for? Do it now. You're missing out on all the fun. And we had our main event, which was Okada defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Sonata. Now, of course, Okada retained here, and I would not mind seeing another Sonata versus Okada match. And I guarantee, one of these days, Sonata is going to be the IWGP heavyweight champion. The dude is just too damn good as a singles com- when he's a singles competitor. Now, he could do great in tag teams, but he's really great as a singles competitor. I see him winning the IWGP heavyweight championship either this year, like early, no, not early this year, but early next year, late next year, or late this year. But after the match, we had Chris fucking Jericho on the Titantron. And he appears on the Titantron. He challenges Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Dominion. And what does Okada do? He accepts. I'm actually looking forward to this. I think this is going to be really fantastic. And I think both of these guys are going to tear the house down. Now, I've watched Impact Rebellion. Uh, I'll, you know, it's really hard for me to try to get back into Impact that much, but after watching Impact Rebellion, it was a great, it was a good show. It was a really good show. And I'm going to go give you my full thoughts about the show. And I literally took notes on my phone talking about Impact Rebellion. So the show opened with a six-way match with Ace Austin versus Aiden Prince, versus Eddie Edwards, versus Jake Crist, versus Jake Diener, or Cousin Jake is what they called him on commentary, versus Petey Williams. Now, I like Eddie Edwards. The dude is hilarious. And, like, the reason I took this one down, he was sliding down the ramp during his entrance. Like, he was trying to do a baseball slide, which was absolutely hilarious. 
So Petey Williams, he attacked Ace Austin before the bell rings. Um, Eddie Edwards hits the suicide dive on Jake Diener. Williams hits Eddie Edwards with a springboard Rana on the outside. And you have Ace Austin hit, hitting uh, Aiden Prince with an enziguri, of course. Uh, a beautiful one at that. And I think this is the best spot in this entire match. Jake Christ, he uh, catches Ace Austin with a cutter when Ace tries to go for the suicide dive, taking out everyone. Now, Jake Christ, he hit his top rope. He hit a tope DDT on D- Cousin Jake, which was pretty damn good. Prince hits the 450 splash on Chris for the two count because Ace, he broke up the pin. We had a Tiger driver by Eddie for a two count. We had Jake Diener hitting the black hole slam on Edwards, which looked pretty damn impressive. Then the ending of this match, we had Petey Williams hitting the Canadian Destroyer on Jake Diener. And Ace Austin catches uh, Petey Williams, rolls him up, and uh, wins the match. And I thought it was a really good opening match. My takeaway from that match, I fucking love Ace Austin. Ace Austin is an absolute beast. And I honestly see him, and I see a bright future with this guy. I really do. And I'm glad one of my, someone on Twitter noted, told me to keep an eye on him. That's what I'm going to do. The dude is a beast. His entrance is fantastic. He carries himself pretty damn good. And I see him as one of my favorites and the biggest future for Impact Wrestling. A match that was added uh, during the show was Rohit Raju with who is one half of Desi Hiss Squad, versus Scarlett Boudreaux, or Scarlett Boudreaux, however you pronounce it, with Falaba. The match was okay at best. I mean, it's because it was added during the show. Now, it was Scarlett that started things off with the chop. Scarlett takes out Raj with the baseball slide, and Rohit, hit, Rohit hits uh, Scarlett with a Russian leg sweep on the apron. Rohit t- talks trash to Scarlett. She slaps him. Spits in his face. That's the best way to get uh, fired up, if I'm correct. We had a tilt-to-world crossface by Scarlett, which looked impressive. And Rohit was... Rohit, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, so I apologize. Rohit escapes it with, of course, his power. Scarlett hits a suplex on Rohit. He rolls out on the outside, hits a diving... And then she hits... A diving crossbody on the outside, taking out Desi Hisquad, which was pretty damn cool. Now, Gama distracts uh, the ref while Raj takes advantage and knocks her off the top rope. But it was Falaba who played the card back. Now, Scarlet, with the ref being distracted, Scarlet low blows Rohit and hits the dude buster, or what I say, the dudette buster, to win the match. It was alright, but I don't know what it is with Scarlet Boudot. I don't know, something's just not clicking with her, with me yet, but I see progression with Scarlett Boudreaux, but, I mean, it's gonna take a while for me to get that click on it, but, I, I mean, she's working hard, I'm not gonna take anything away from her, I'm not hating on her, I think she has some progression that is gonna be, is gonna take a while for me to get invested in, so, I, I see potential in her, she's actually slowly getting me on that level a little bit. Uh, so, we had a six-man tag. The Rascals, which includes Desmond Xavier, Zachary Wentz, and Trey Miguel, taking on the team of Moose and the North with this, with the, uh, I can't even fucking speak, which is All Ego, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander. 
this was awesome. I got to say that. This was awesome. It was a really good match. We had Moose and Trey Miguel starting things off. The Rascals, they dominated Mo- they dominated Moose, and they hit uh, Santons on him, and they stared at the North while Moose kept up, taking out uh, Desmond and Zachary. Now, now Trey, he wasn't paying attention. So what he did, he didn't notice that Moose was standing right behind him. So Moose uh, takes out Desmond. No, he takes out Trey. He tags in uh, Ethan Page, and he takes out Trey while Josh tags in, and the North lays out Desmond for a two count. Now the North and Moose, they were taking control of most of this match. We had a beautiful dropkick by Moose, and I swear to God, I swear to everything that his dropkick reminds me of Okada a little bit. I don't know why. It just reminds me of Okada every time I see him do that dropkick. Uh, we had Desmond hitting a Tilt-A-World DDT, which, look, which looks absolutely fantastic, spiking the living shit out of Moose. Now, off-camera, we had Trey intercept Page, Moose, Tries to charge, and he eats a super kick by Desmond, which was followed up with a springboard cutter, which looked absolutely beautiful. Zachary is awesome. And Trey hits the springboard Rana on Moose. Amazing teamwork. Desmond and Zachary hit their tag team finisher on Paige on the outside. You know, Zachary doing that um, jumping moonsault while Desmond pushes at him. That move. Um, Trey tried to go for the tope con Hiro, but Moose catches him, throws him in the barricade. And Desmond, this dude, I, I don't even know how I could put it in words with Desmond Xavier. This dude is absolutely a fucking beast. He hits a cannonball, and he did it off of Josh Alexander's back. Need I say more? <laughs> the dude is a beast. So Trey hit Alexander with a cheeky nondos. He followed it up with a 619, and he hits his uh, Meteora. Swanton bomb by Zachary Wentz and a spiral tap by Desmond. Desmond for a two count because Ethan Page powerbomb Zachary on uh, Desmond. So in the north, they hit their assistive spine buster on Desmond Xavier. Moose finishes him off with a spear. And I don't know if Desmond didn't time it right, but I don't know what it is. It's just I'm too picky, you know. Now, Moose hits his spear, pins Desmond one, two, three. Moose in the north, they win this match. Really good match, and I was actually wrong on this. I was actually wrong. I honestly thought the Rascals were going to win this. Uh, <clears throat> we have the Knockouts Championship match next. We had Jordan Grace mm, Jordan Grace versus Tyre Valkyrie. And now Jordan starts things off with the ground and pound. She uh, power bombs Tyre on the apron on the outside. So Jordan hits a middle rope senton for a nice two count. Tyre pokes the eyes of Jordan Grace, and she actually works on the arm. And this is what I love about Tyre. Like, you could love her as a babyface, but and she knows how to make you despise her as a heel. And she does a damn good job at it. And I, I got to give it to Tyre, man. She is that good. Now, Tyre hits a draping DDT on Jordan for a two count. No, not for a two count, but for a one count. Now, the fans were chanting new champ because they want Jordan Grace to beat Tyre Valkyrie. I was one of those guys that want, like, I was in the 50-50 phrase. Like, should Tyre lose this belt to Jordan Grace? Or should Jordan pick up the win? That's what I was like. 
when I was watching this match and I, when I predicted this. Uh, I will say this. We had a muscle buster, which looks absolutely fucking beautiful by Jordan Grace. She hit a muscle buster on Tyre Valkyrie for a two count. I thought it was over. I seriously thought it was over when she hit the muscle buster. We had the Grace Driver for a two count. We had back and forth roll-ups for uh, both of these women. But it was Tyre that hit the roll to Valhalla and to hand Jordan Grace her first loss on Impact. So, you know what's funny? I tweeted out Roll to Valkyrie, which I honestly thought that was a better name for a finisher instead of Roll to Valhalla. I mean, that's just me. I think Roll to Valkyrie is the better name for her finisher, if you ask me. Let me know what you guys think. Do you think it's a great name for her finisher? Because I prefer it that way. So, it was a good match, and... Tyre's the first woman to beat Jordan Grace. And you know what's funny? I want to mention this real quick. I was on Twitter. Well, like when I was live tweeting this, people were comparing Jordan Grace to Oscar. Like they're saying they should have struck while the iron was hot. They didn't do it. She's the Oscar of impact. What are you guys talking about? (laughs) What are you guys talking about? (laughs) I I got nothing. (laughs) That's how speechless I am right now with this. Like, why would you compare Jordan Grace with Oscar? Even though that is a match I do want to see in real life. But it don't make any sense. I think they have bigger plans for Jordan Grace, and that's what I think. Like, I don't I don't do this comparison. They have big plans. I think they're gonna execute it when the timing is right. So Jordan Grace will get her opportunity. We don't know who, we don't know when. It's gonna happen. She's gonna be a knockouts champion. That's just me. Oh my goodness, this match. <laughs> Sammy Callahan versus Rich Swan for the X Division Championship. <laughs> I can't put it in words on how brutal this match was. It was so brutal that I just... I had to turn away a little bit <laughs> when I was watching this match again. Now, this of course was was OVE rules. We had Swan hitting a super kick followed by Callahan hitting boots. And it led to both men trading kicks... We had Swan grabbing a staple gun, and he staples Callahan's, I believe it was his, his, uh, sorry, his hands, but I don't know where he stapled them. So, so they brawl on the outside, and then you see Callahan taking the staple gun, and he staples Rich Swan's lips. Ouch. Just ouch. My lip cringes every time I see that. So, he runs into a super kick, Callahan does, and... He tries to go for a suicide dive, but Sammy hits Rich Swan with a cookie sheet cutter straight in the face. And this is where things get interesting. Well, it's going to get interesting when we move further. But Sammy, he takes the X Division title, licks the title, gross, <laughs> and hits Swan in the head with a cookie sheet cutter. Rich Swan looked dead. He looked dead. His eyes were like in the back rolling like, oh my God, that, that shit hurts. Um, we do, we had Sammy, I don't, I'm going to rant about Sammy Callahan for a second, but Sammy Callahan, he hit the cactus special on Swan on the apron, which was a big holy shit moment. So Sammy, he grabs a drink from the commentator's desk and he throws it at Rich Swan's face. Swan hits Callahan with the back of the chair. Callahan hits, and then he hits an exploded suplex on the, the stacked chair. Like Callahan, he hits an exploder on Rich Swan, and Rich landed on the stack chair. Hair back first. 
ouch, my back is already hurting after seeing that. Now, Callahan tried to go for the cactus driver, but Rich Juan cuts him off with uh, the cut hutter sheet. And Sammy, he spits in Rich Juan's face. And what does Rich Juan do? He takes the spit and he licks it. Ew. Just gross. Now, Swan, he hit him with a cookie cutter sheet, puts a garbage can on him, kicks him three times, and follows it up with a twister uh, on the garbage for a two count. Now, on the outside, Sammy, uh, no, Swan, he hit Callahan with a wet floor sign and proceeded to whack him in the head with it all the way to, like, they were doing that on the ramp. Now, Callahan, he escaped the beat eating by gouging the eye of Rich Swan, but Swan used the, uh, I don't know what he used, but I think it was like a ramp. No, they were fighting on the ramp. He used one of the stage uh, equipments as a way to hit the Rana. And then he followed it up with a handspring cutter on the ramp. <laughs> so we had the groin claw by Sammy Callahan, and he fucking hits the cactus driver, the pile driver, on the steel barricade. I would be dead by now <laughs> if I saw that. I was actually losing my shit when I watched that. And this is where things get really, really painful. He grabs a a big box, a box of a Lego. What's in, what's in that big box, you may ask? A small box, like a small stack of Legos. Lays it out in the ring. Oh my God, I'm already cringing talking about this. Now, Sammy was trying to go for a powerbomb. He, he was trying to powerbomb Rich on it, but he escapes. He hits the Enziguri, and he hits a Rana, and Sammy landed on the back of on the back of the Legos for a two count. Now, Callahan, he had something in his hand. He threw powder in the face of Rich Swan, and he fucking pile drives him head first on the fucking Legos. Only for a two count. May I remind you? Oh my goodness, man. So, Sammy Callahan, he goes for the barbed wire baseball bat. Swan tells him that he'll never quit and spits in his face. So Swan hits the gro- gro- applies the groin claw on him, and he takes the bat. And then this is when Sammy was begging, begging, like, please, please don't do it. I respect you. I love you. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Rich Swan hits him in the face with the bat and puts him in the cross face with the barbed wire. And Rich and Sammy Callahan, he taps out. Rich Swan retains in a brutal, epic match. And... How WWE screwed up with Sammy Callahan, the former Solomon Crow? I don't know how. I don't know how. You had a gold mine and you let him and you fucked it up. I mean, I don't know if it was he wanted to walk out, but I believe that was the case. But can you imagine that type that can you imagine Sammy Callahan, the, this guy on NXT killing like literally killing it. And Rich Swan, I could say I already I could say what I got to say about Rich Swan. He left WWE because, you know, the incident with him and his wife, Sue Young. And I don't know. They dropped the ball with this guy. Why? I don't know. There's a lot of whys. But he's doing great on Impact. And can I just add, Rich Swan, can you, Mr. Swan, can you please grow your mustache and beard back? You look different. (laughs) I wanted to mention that, but you look different. We had Gail Kim versus Tessa Blanchard. In a singles match. This was the match I'm actually... This was the match I was looking forward to. Now, before the match, Melissa Santos, she was interviewing Tessa Blanchard. And out comes her father, 
Tully Blanchard, gave her some advice, and he was going to be at ringside watching her daughter wrestle, which, I mean, that's what I love to see. And you had, you had Robert Irvine watching his wife wrestle. Now, I want to mention this. Tessa Blanchard is awesome at making her entrance. She, she she's just full of charisma, man. I'm I'm trying to put it in words because this woman is just too damn good, and I I honestly think Tessa Blanchard is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Now this was typical past versus present match, so we started things off with Tessa hitting forearms on Gail Kim with follows by follows back with strikes and a springboard leg drop for a two count. Tessa hits the Rana on Gail Kim. And we hit a, we have a springboard drop kick by Tessa on on Gail, which knocks her to the floor, which I thought was a nice springboard drop kick. Now we had a suicide dive by Tessa, and she talks trash like this is your wife, huh? To Robert Irvine, I fucking love Tessa Blanchard. Now I believe there was a miscommunication, like some people will call it a botch. I call it a miscommunication. Now Gail Kim. She went for the 619 on the outside, and it looked like Tessa missed her cue. That's what I thought. Now, Tessa hit an elevated code breaker on the inside. We're back inside the ring. So, Tessa hit an elevated code breaker, which looked fantastic for a two count. We got a power slam by Gail Kim for a two count. Gail tried to go for the octopus stretch, but Tessa turned it into a backbreaker and a sidle suplex for a two count. Tessa talks trash to Robert Irvine saying, your wife's looking real beautiful. And she chops Gail Kim, which I love. I love. Gail Kim tries to go for the suicide dive, but of course she crashed and she burned. Um, both women are down after they both hit the post. Gail Kim applied the figure four on the turnbuckle. Gail then applied the, no, no, Gail hit a cross body, which looked fantastic. And I, I, I want to mention this. Gail Kim, she hasn't lost a step. She's still got it. And and she's the one that's... She's just so damn good that she could do anything. I, I'm just saying. She's just so fucking good. Like, and I just have high praises for Gail Kim. And she... If we're going to talk about more Gail Kim when we talk about Sasha Banks. Yeah, I, I'm not done with that yet. So Tessa hit a flatliner on Gail off the stage, which looked pretty brutal. Gail hits her finisher, the eat defeat, only for a two count. Now, Gail tried to go for the dragon sleep off the top, but Tessa, she bit Gail's arm, hits the magnum, and hits a straight jacket submission to tap out Gail Kim. Now, this was a really great match, and I love the post-match. They embraced, and it was a passing of the torch. Gail Kim passed the torch to Tessa Blanchard, and I thought this was the right move. Like, Gail Kim, she knows women's wrestling, Tessa Blanchard, she's in that category as one of the best female rest, best women's wrestlers in the world. And she's going to carry the knockouts division. That's just that's just my opinion. Tessa Blanchard is just so damn good that WWE missed the ball with Tessa Blanchard. They could have got her in the first May Young. They got her in the first May Young Classic. They should have signed her. They dropped the ball. And I honestly don't think she's going to come to WWE in the future, but it's up to her. I can see Tessa going at it with a Bianca Belair, an Io Shirai, a uh, Jaya Lee, a Mia Yim. 
And if you want to do main rosters, her dream match is Charlotte Flair, a Becky Lynch, a Kyrie Sane, an Asuka, a Bailey, a Ruby Riot, an Ember Moon. I could go on and on. But I think Tessa is fine on Impact Wrestling. I think she's going to be the best for the uh, for the women on Impact. And, and I want to mention this. The Knockouts division is... Leagues better than what WWE's doing with their main roster women. That's just a straight-up fact. You could disagree with me with that all you want, but that's a straight-up fact. We had the Impact World Championship match with Brian Cage taking on Johnny Impact. Now, Lance Storm was the special guest referee of this match. Now, we start things off with Cage charging at Impact to start things off. He hits the European uppercut into... Up a cup, <laughs> uppercut into an enziguri into an F5. He wanted to end this quickly for a two count. We had a ripcord forearm into a pump handle slam for a two count. That was Cage. Then we had a buckle bomb by Cage for a two count. Now Impact hits a standing shooting star press for a one count when Cage picked him up for a fallaway slam into a standing moonsault. Again, he's not a man. He's a fucking machine. For a two count. Now this is where things started to change. And I think this match kind of got a little. I don't know. I'm trying to put it in words. It it kind of changed a little bit. But this happened when Johnny hit the uh, standing. No not. He hit um, a Spanish fly off the ramp. And Cage looked like he was in pain. I thought he looked hurt. Now Impact. He was. Now Cage he was busted open. Now Johnny. Hits the second rope springboard spear for a two count. And outside the ring, you have Taya and Johnny Bravo. Not that Johnny Bravo, but (laughs) the ref Johnny Bravo pull out a table. Now, Cage, he took advantage of this. He power bombed uh, Johnny through the table. Cage forearms elbow. No, he hits a forearm on Bravo. Impact grabs the world title and he attacks him. While with the while Tyre pulls Storm out of the ring and Johnny attacks Lance Storm, Cage. Now now this is where um Tyre was trying to. Now this is where Tyre and Johnny's plan failed miserably. A pathetic failure attempt. Now what what the plan was? Johnny wanted. Now Johnny he had. He threw the uh, world title to Tyre, making it believe that that Tyre attacked her husband. I mean, nobody wasn't buying it. So what Cage did, he powerbombed her, folded her in half. And we had a starship pain by Tyre, and Bravo counts the two count. Lance comes back, he super kicks Bravo, and Cage super kicks uh, Johnny, hits the drill claw to win the Impact World Championship which was a good match. Like, I was going to give it a great match, but I had to downgrade it to good because I think something had to change right after uh, Brian Cage looked legit hurt, and he was. Now, post-match, we had Big Mike, Michael Elgin, make his a surprise debut to Impact, and he lays out the champ and with the Elgin bomb. Now, I did hear that Brian Cage had to be uh, pulled from the uh, impact tapings, so we don't know how severe the back injury is, but hopefully he is 100%, and 
I hope he recovers in time because I don't want the dude to just vacate the title when he just won it from Johnny Impact. That would be messed up. I hope that's not the case. And finally, we got our main event. We have the Impact Tag Team Championship match. We have LAX taking on the Lucha Brothers. This was a full metal Impact match, which is tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my! LAX dives out. LAX dives taking out the Lucha Brothers to start the match. We had stereo super kicks by the Lucha Bros and stereo tope con heroes into the tables. Pentagon hit Santana with a garbage can. We had the Lucha Bros dominating the match with their like their teamwork is absolutely amazing. And I don't care if I if anyone disagrees with me, but their teamwork is absolutely better than the Young Bucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like the Lucha Bros teamwork better than the Young Bucks. And that's saying much. Because the Young Bucks, they're one of the best tag teams in the fucking world. I'm sorry, Matt and Nick Jackson, but I like the Lucha Brothers. Their tag team work is putting you to shame. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so we had Ortiz. He attacks uh, the Lucha Brothers with the cookie cutter sheet. He attacks both of them. LAX hit Pentagon with a cutter by Santana. Middle rope cold breaker by Ortiz. A super kick by Santana. And they hit their signature, which was broken up by Phoenix. Now, LAX takes control of this match, and LAX hits the double stomp stunner combination on Phoenix, and he landed on the steel chairs. He landed on a stack of chairs. Now, both teams, they sat in the chairs, and they started striking each other. Lucha Brothers, they threw the chair at LAX, and they and LAX, of course, followed it up with throwing the chairs at the Lucha Brothers, and both teams are down. This is awesome. You got chance of this is awesome. Phoenix hits the double stomp on Ortiz on the back of the head, right on the apron. And then the Lucha Brothers hit the double stomp fear factor combination on the stack of chairs for a close near fall, which I'm like, how the hell are you kicking out of that? Now, Santana, he puts Pentagon through a chair with the Death, with the Death Valley driver. And this is where I had big concerns for Phoenix. Now, he hit the Spanish fly on Ortiz off the ladder, putting Ortiz through a table. And if you watch closely, you can see Phoenix's head landing. Like, you can see him landing head first. And I literally thought he broke his neck. He broke his neck. Now, Pentagon, he hit the Pentagon driver on Santana through the chair for a close near fall, which I thought was brutal. Pentagon then stacked the tables. He had two, he had two tables stacked. And he grabs thumbtacks a bag of thumbtacks puts it on the table and Santana took the tax and threw it at him super and he eats a, he eats a super kick now Santana now this is where the match ended Sant, they were brawling on the ladder both Santana and Pentagon Santana grabs a fork and stabs the head of uh, a Pentagon and Ortiz power bombs him through the table with the tax may I remind you to win the Impact Tag Team Championships for the fourth time now both teams they squashed the beef they were they show respect to each other and i thought this was an insane and excellent main event and it deserved to be the main event and this is what tag team wrestling should be about hey wwe can you please take notes on raw and smackdown need i say more need i say more now the big story that is on wwe is mostly leo rush now i mentioned how i feel about Leo Rush having backstage heat 
and you could just listen to that on the last episode, but Leo Rush, he decided to give his side of the story by FIFO. And I got to give props to Sean Ross Sapp here because this was really great, man. It went through all the stories that he's having heat with, like all the stories that involves him. And Leo just responds to these rumors, pretty much squashing it down. Now, I'm I'm reading this on FIFO. So I want you guys to listen to what Leo said, is saying and just interpret what's on his mindset. And my dad always told me there's always two sides of the story. Like that's what your parents always tell you, right? You, there's always two sides of the stories until you find out who is right. Now, <clears throat> the ongoing saga in regards to Leo Rush's heat continues in Wednesday's FIFO heard from uh, the man himself. During an extended Twitter thread, Leo Rush responded to the rumors of backstage heat and issues with co-workers. Over the past week, several stories have emerged detailing Rush's deteriorating reputation backstage. During that thread, he singled out Feifel, who reached out both before and after the tweets. He said, and I quote, this is Leo Rush, my issue has never been with Bobby Lashley. Being with Bobby has helped the both of us out tremendously. It's given me speaking confidence I didn't know I had. I never was a promo guy on the indies, but being with Bobby made me a promo guy. My issue isn't with my on-screen role. My issue is the fact that I am I haven't been on meet and greets with Bobby, haven't been getting paid for merchandise for us that has my catchphrase on them. I have been sent to live shows and TVs for and forced to pay my own rental for five days as well as hotel while not making enough money to do so. Walking around broke in the biggest sports entertainment industry that there is while having two kids and a wife to support. Now, a story from PW Insider had also been published this week, stating that Rush refused to pay his dues, so to speak, by providing water to veterans on a European tour. I'm sorry, I, I had to pause myself for a second after reading that part. As is the case with many main roster rookies, Rush would address that as well. He said, and I quote, It's not about race, it has never been. But public perceptions is important to me. And when we have fans that travel all over the globe, watch us get off of buses and into hotels, the look of a black kid carrying water and bags for other wrestlers is just not a good look, especially when I'm trying to portray myself as a superstar as well. On Saturday... Feifel revealed that, and this was last Saturday if I'm correct, Feifel revealed that there was a situation that garnered heat on Rush involving Finn Balor. Several Feifel sources stated that Balor let Leo Rush know that Vince McMahon and other management would probably look down on Rush's wife sitting in on rehearsals. Now, Rush would somewhat deny that story and instead blame someone else. He said, and I quote, Me and Finn are cool. And my wife has never been an issue. There is someone who works for WWE who has hated me since the day I've worked for Ring of Honor. And now that they work for WWE, they're leaking false information to get me released. At a certain point, I have to defend myself. So that's what I decided to do. We're all human. We're all grown-ass adults. The kind of shit that flies backstage is ridiculous. And I'm surprised more people aren't speaking up. 
As far as Leo's disappointment with how wrestling media covered the story, he opened up about that and the way that he liked things to like to see things handled. He said, and I quote, these sheets should spread positive messages to the world, but they only want to spread false negative reports to damage someone else's career. What's wrong with spreading truths? Thank you for reaching out to me, and I appreciate you for doing it. I honestly do. I've never been about the BS or politics or anything else rather than showing up to work, doing my job, and providing for my family. I grew up in the worst part of D.C., and certain things that I was taught will always stick with me and what I've gotten to where I am now in life. I realize that people will talk regardless of how much positivity you try and push out into the world. Now, he said, his, now this is not Leo Rush, but it ends with this. It's worth noting that WWE typically doesn't provide wrestling websites with talent interviews or breaking news stories as it often does. When a source that originally contributed to the uh, report of Rush's heat reads the select story with Rush's words, they said they didn't think that he was a bad person. Instead, arrogantly oblivious to what a WWE gig requires. Wow. I mean, wow. But And there's more. Now, Leo Rush, he turned down a, a $300,000 deal for five-year deal around $300,000 annual, annually, and he asks for that to be doubled. Now, PW Insider reported this. According to a new report from Mike Johnson at PW Insider, WWE recently offered Leo Rush a five-year deal worth in a range of $300,000 per year. Now, Rush, he turned it down, and he turned down a deal and asked for double that number. The report goes on to state that Rush's current deal was set to expire next year, but no firm date was given. Now, PW Insider reports included another incident of Rush not endearing himself with the WWE locker room. Now, that report states that Rush was bought, he bought a group of people backstage, he bought a group backstage at a TV taping last year, and when the group was stopped and not for not all having a proper credential, the group reportedly loudly began yelling at a female member of the WWE security team. Now, it also states that after being approached about his issue, Rush told a veteran member of the roster that he works for Vince, not the roster member. Following the incident, the veteran talent was reportedly approached by management as Rush had complained about him speaking down to Rush. The veteran roster member, who rep reportedly not Finn Balor, was reportedly not Finn Balor, who Rush reportedly said, which, you know, him and Finn are cool. Now, he was removed from the locker room following that incident in November of last year. His issues became less of a regular occurrence in the locker room, but in recent weeks, that has changed. And apparently, he's even asking for his release. Now, I say it is dumb on Leo Rush's part to ask for, uh, to double it, because I, like... That's like I see blame on both parties to be quite honest, and we'll talk about that because we have Mark Henry's response, and so does Chris Jericho. Now he raided in on the Leo Rush situation, which that being Mark Henry, and uh, he appeared on Busted Open Radio, and he had a lot to say about uh, Rush and his issues. Now Mark Henry said, and I quote. I pulled him aside and told him I'm hearing stuff in the locker room. What's up? He said, oh, there's nothing wrong. It was a blatant lie to my face. 
I was trying to help him and let him know that if you have a question to ask, now is the time because you're very likely not going to uh, run into anyone that knows the system like I know the system. And he didn't do that. He lied to my face. If you're walking around and you can't pay for a rental car or hotel with the money that you make every week, then you need to change the way you're spending. You can't blame that on the office. If you spend everything before you got it, that's your problem. What Leo is doing is nothing different than what I did. He's getting off very easy in my way. That w- They would have said, hey, Leo, Bobby should never drive. You should take his bags to his car. When he comes back from his match, you should take a bottle of water for him when he walks through the curtain. And he continued, and this is what he said. I promise you after these comments, either he's going to have to go somewhere or the company is going to say good luck to you and your future endeavors. It's not a racial issue. It's an ego issue. And that I agree on. Nobody is exempt from being respectful to the business and pay homage to the guys that are drawing money. We've all done it. Steve Austin and The Rock did it. You better than The Rock? Get the hell out of here. I remember when Chris Jericho came to WWE from WCW. I remember walking back from my match. His match was after mine, and he had three bottles of water. One for him, one for his opponent, and one for the referee. This is Chris Jericho. You you better than Chris Jericho? Get the, get the hell out of here with that. And speaking of Chris Jericho... He weighed in on this uh, Leo Rush situation. Now, a user on Twitter responded to Henry's comment, which was deleted, the old tweet and delete. This is what he said. Because once you tweet something, you can't delete it, right? Because someone's going to grab it word for word. Thankfully, FIFO got it. I'm sorry, but if I was a big star in WWE, I would never make uh, a young guy... Make the young guys carry my bags. It's an ex- exercise in humiliation designed by bitter mid-carters who need to constantly be told how great they are because they have little accomplishments to do for them. Now, Jericho, this is his response. Key statement, there is, if I was a big star in the WWE. You're not. So you don't know the respect and dedication you need to make it in WWE. I never once made a young guy carry my bags, but I was shown respect every day. To disrespect the vets in any way is taboo and outbiz. Now, I'll, I'm going to be honest here. Yeah, there's blames on both parties. Now, Leo Rush ought, demanding the prices to be double. I don't... That That's not going to fly on WWE's behalf. But... It's either, because here's what I see with Leo Rush. I honestly think he should go back to NXT. That's just me. If you want to refresh, go to NXT. And just refresh your characters. Be be in matches with guys like Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, the Velveteen Dream. I mean, you could recall, they could do a story of them having a match at NXT. Have a match with Matt Riddle, Dominic Dijakovic. Relive what happened during their time in Ring of Honor, because they... They competed in the finals in the tournament uh, to challenge Jay Lethal for the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship. Like, and I remember this clearly. It was Leo Rush versus Donovan Dijak. And Leo Rush picked up the win. They have a history. Why not? I think Leo Rush would benefit more if he went to NXT. And he would uh, have a little change in character. Because right now, I don't see him as the top guy at the moment. 
You want to be a top guy? Go to NXT, man. They're going to treat you better. Like, they, like, but don't have this. Like, it's an ego problem. It's not a. It's never about race. It's all about the ego. And don't, ha- like, you can have the mindset of being a top star, but don't be a dick or a prick about it and just blatantly say it to everybody, I should be the top star. I should be the top star. No, have the mindset of being a top star. And I think that's where Leo fucked up on. Now, WWE, I fault them on not putting Leo. Like, to be quite honest, I honestly thought Leo wasn't going to do much when they pulled him from 205 Live and they paired him with Bobby Lashley. But I'll be honest, if you look at Leo Rush, and he even said that he was never a guy that speaks on the mic, but it raised his confidence. And yes, WWE, you get a nice cookie for that. But... You haven't been utilizing Leo Rush in something prominent, so I fault you on that. Now, and the sad thing is, he's getting the Enzo treatment. Like, that's not a good sign. But if I'm Leo Rush, like I said, go to NXT, revamp your character, and just, like, it's either he stays, or, like, it's up to Triple H. What I would do, Triple H should have said, look, I'm going to bring you back to NXT, and you're going to, uh... You're going to um, revamp your character. And honestly, he hasn't done much in the WWE, to be quite honest. That's what I say about Leo Rush. But don't have, like, my message to Leo Rush is this. Don't, like, have the mindset of being a top guy. Don't don't just physically or say it that I should be the top guy. That's not going to get you nowhere. Is either he walks out or WWE is gonna Vince is gonna upright release him, and if I'm Leo, go to NXT. That's your only saving grace, man. That's your only saving grace. That's all I could tell you about Leo Rush, Luke Harper. Oh my goodness, man. I I read this report and this makes me hate Vince McMahon to the point where I want him to step down. I really do, and it it gets worse. It gets worse when we talk about it on Monday Night Raw. Now, I don't know what it is. Why are you not using Luke Harper? You added six months to his contract because you don't want him to thrive on the indies or you have to make up for the injury he had. But this reading this, I'm about to read this report to you. I'm I'm just in a word. I'm just in anger mode right now. Just reading this. Harper asked for his release in a very public way. However, that didn't go out. That didn't work out for him. Harper is looking at even more time with the company as they added months to his contract due to the time he missed because of the surgery he had last year. Vince McMahon has his own way of looking at it, at things, and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that Vince McMahon doesn't get Harper. This has not helped matters at all. It is said that one person close to the situation stated that Harper just needed to get out of WWE, which is what he was trying to do before Vince McMahon stopped him via a written notice. McMahon reportedly complained about Harper as well as be- as well because he couldn't even do a Southern accent. Motherfucker! Vince McMahon! Luke Harper is from New York! He is from New York! Why would you tell him to do a Southern accent? Jesus Christ, man! Like, seriously, he is from fucking New York! 
There was no shortage of the ideas as Harper, as formerly as the former Wyatt family member, reportedly kept regularly pitching angles for himself. But even when he was out with an injury, but they were all turned down. Harper was also reportedly only bought in for SmackDown a few weeks ago, so WWE could test out a new manager idea for EC3, which I will talk about later on. And and what was the final straw? The final straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, now, the now this is Dave Meltzer again of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. This is what this is the final straw that broke the camel's back. The creator meeting the day of the draft when it was asked about which brand Harper would be on. And like I said, Vince said how the guy can't even do a Southern accent and said the match with EC3 was bad. So they didn't put him with either brand. Vince McMahon, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. You got something to Luke Harper, yet you refuse to push it because he can't do a fucking Southern accent. And I'm going to state it again. I'm going to scream it at the top of my lungs. The guy is from New York. Seriously. Like, just reading this, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to put it in words. Like, if I'm Luke Harper, I, 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 I would never come back to WWE ever again after this shit. I'm, I will never, ever come back to WWE after that shit. Like, that's stupid. That is absolutely stupid. So, because he can't do a fucking Southern accent, that's why you're not going to push him and his match with EC3 was bad? And he's not going to be on a specific brand? Move him to NXT. Bring him to NXT where he will be appreciated. I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking speechless right now. I, I'm serious. I'm seriously am. Like, I don't know what this guy's mindset is. Like, that's your reason? on. That's your reason why you're not pushing Luke Harper? That's your reason why you're not putting him on a Raw or a SmackDown? Because he can't do a fucking Southern accent when the guy is from New York? Luke Harper, if I'm you, I would never come back to WWE ever again. You either go to AEW, you either go to, uh, you either go to Impact, or you go to New Japan, you go to Ring of Honor. Go where your heart desires. And I want to mention this with John Moxley. I didn't mention this, but uh, if I were to be a better man, if like I could see him in AEW, I could definitely see him in Impact. That would get a lot of people watching Impact Wrestling. New Japan, that's a dream of mine. And uh, Ring of Honor, possibility. There's other promotions out there, but... Back to the Harper, back to the Harper stuff. It's just, I'm so fucking pissed off after reading this again. I'm so fucking pissed off after reading this. And if, like I said, Luke Harper, your best bet: get the fuck out of WWE and never come back, even if they beg and plead it. That's all I'm gonna end it on here because this shit really, really pissed me off. Sasha Banks. Where is, oh, where, oh, where is Sasha Banks? Oh, where, oh, where can she be? Will she come back in Money in the Bank? We don't know. Like, I heard rumors that she might come back at Money in the Bank. I even talked about that last last episode. But we got news regarding Sasha Banks. Now, Alexa Bliss. You may like Alexa Bliss, but I'm not a fan of Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry. To all you Alexa Bliss fans out there, I am not a fan. And, and it's because of what she does in the ring. Anyway, so she had this tweet, which was a direct jab at Sasha Banks, and this really pissed me off. 
if you don't use your brain for a second. So this is what she tweeted out. She said, ha ha, okay, make fun of me all you want. Like, it's something new for you guys. Go comfort your friend and I'll save you guys a spot on the locker room floor. Direct shot at Sasha Banks. Because they protested about them losing the tag titles. Now we have Mike Johnson talking about Sasha Banks. About uh, how WWE are viewing Banks' situation on PW Insider. And they have two different opinions on it. So he said, and I quote, Banks' reputation is really dependent on the person you speak to. To some, people appreciate her passion. I I appreciate her passion. I'm not going to deny that. Like, she's passionate. She wants women's wrestling to be a big thing in WWE. And her work and how hard she fights to be seen and fights to have her position protected. Others will look upon her with a negative tint and look at like she whines, she complains too much, she's throwing a fit too much, and she's no different than anybody else. So why is she acting that way? It's it's so loud and bolsterous and getting upset over things. Everybody loses a title, everybody gets moved up and down the card. Yes, everybody gets moved up and down the card, but you're looking at Sasha Banks, who was fucking prom. Like I'm going to say this again, like I'm a broken record. She was promised, her and Bailey were promised that they were going to hold on to the WWE Women's Tag Titles for the long time. They were going to drop it to like possibly June, and you promised them these long title reigns, and you take it off of them prematurely at WrestleMania in the last minute to the Iconics, and. You wonder why Sasha Banks would never come back. Need I say more? Gail Kim, she talked about Sasha Banks' situation. This is what... Now, she was interviewed by Wrestling Inc. And she spoke about how she feels about uh, the current situation with Sasha Banks and WWE. She said, and I quote, And I fucking love Gail Kim to death because she is brutally honest and to the point. And that's what people need to be these days. I'm always on the talent side. I've been in a similar position, but not... The, not that amount of time left on that contract. I quit with seven weeks left on my contract, and they didn't even want to let me out of that seven weeks. If I wasn't value, if I wasn't a valuable talent to them, it doesn't even matter if I jumped to another wrestling company because who was I to you? Nothing, right? I just thought it was a major control issue within within them. I think the employees that are ha- unhappy should be let out of their contracts. I agree with Gail Kim. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like we, like it's like comparing Gail Kim and Sasha Banks. They're like two different uh, entities, but with the same reason. On, well, what a different reason on why they're upset. I don't blame Sasha Banks if she walks out. And I said it again: if Sasha walks out, she's gonna be the biggest name that people want on the independent scene. She could be at Russell Circus. She could be at AEW. She could be in the Women of Honor. She could be on Impact Wrestling, which is way better than the WWE main roster. She could be on Shimmer. She could be on any J- Japanese promotion like, like Sendai Girls. She could be on Tokyo Joshi Protoresu. Need I say more? Need I say more? I have said, I have said what I got to say, but Mike Johnson, again, talks... Revealed on PW Insider Elite about what Sasha Banks' argument backstage at WrestleMania was. And this is what he said. And I quote, 
the argument that we've heard from Sasha Banks, and this is a no-brainer to anybody who's listened to this show or who's been reading the articles, who's been reading um, the news stories about Sasha Banks, the standpoint was that the women's tag team titles should have more, should have had more credibility established to them and that she and Bailey should have had a longer run with the belts in order to make them look more important. They should have had the chance to go to Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and so forth. This is not a surprise to me. This is not a surprise to me. Like, it's it's sad what they're doing with Sasha Banks. And look, if she comes back to Money in the Bank, all I'm going to see is WWE's going to promise her, look, please don't go to AEW. Like, this is a scenario. Please don't go to AEW. Please don't go to AEW. We, we're we going to give you this Money in the Bank uh contract. We're going to give you this briefcase. You're going to take out Dana Brooke and... Yeah, Dana Brooks in the Money in the Bank ladder match. You're going to take out Dana Brooke, and you're going to win the Money in the Bank contract. That's good, isn't it? And she wins it. Like, say this is this really happens. She wins it, and then they're going to be like, okay, you're going to cash in on, uh, say, Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch. Most notably, Becky Lynch. Cash in on Becky Lynch, win the Raw Women's title, or say that you're going to win the Raw Women's title, only to go to complete 180 and say, Becky, I want you to tap her out. I want you to pin her, roll her up, one, two, three, and have her be the first woman to fail the money in the bank cash-in, only to piss off Sasha Banks even more to the point where she gives you the middle finger saying, fuck you, I'm out of here. I see it happening. I literally see it happening. And like I said, Sasha Banks, the court, the ball's on her court. She, If I was her, i walk out. Because if they have no value in you, walk the fuck away. And stick it to WWE and just show them that you were... Show them that I was the best and you fucked me up. And watch, WWE is going to be on their hands and knees begging for her to come back. As we continue on, now there's a report going on like I mentioned... No, I didn't mention, but there's a report going on. Vince McMahon is offering undercard superstars... Huge amount of money to stay with WWE. Gee, I wonder why. Now, Jim Ross recently appeared on uh, Busted Open Radio, and he revealed a staggering amount of money Vince McMahon is offering undercard guys just to stay with WWE. Good old JR said, and I quote, I asked about an undercard guy in the WWE that helps the other guys learn, and they said he was not available because he just signed a new deal for $500,000. Not because he would be used, but just to be just to keep him off the streets. Again, I wonder why. <clears throat> is it because you don't want him to go to all elite wrestling? Uh, is, is it because that you don't want him to? You don't want this specific person to succeed on the indies? I don't know. There's just many theories. And now, as you guys know, there was this bullshit report I read about. WWE haven't interested about being signing Joey Ryan. Now, not signing, but they're just interested in talks with uh, Joey Ryan. Dave Meltzer he discussed it on the Wrestling Observer Radio, and he explained that the only and and you could tell WWE is afraid of all elite wrestling when they say they're not. And it's going to continue on, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to continue on. Now he uh, explained that the reason why WWE would want Joey Ryan. 
would be so ice would be to ice him. So if Ryan does sign with WWE, it isn't like he's destined to be on Raw or anything. He would be signed just so AEW couldn't have him. Meltzer said, and I quote, I mean, it's AEW or WWE. So, you know, he's got a lot of bookings. Did you see his schedule? He's got like 20. I didn't count it up, but it looks like it's 20 dates a month. I mean, he gets a lot of bookings. I always hear about some of his bookings, but I didn't realize how many dates the guy this guy works. The things with WWE is that WWE will pay people to take him off the board because they know he's going to All Elite Wrestling. I mean, that's the one thing that's going on there. I mean, like, I don't know of them even contacting him for 10 years and then like whatever it was last week they con they contacted him they contacted him as soon as he got the lucha underground release with the idea that he's being all over being the elite but he's not signed and everyone else on being the elite is signed i mean i know they're figured they're figuring he wouldn't be all over that thing on AEW if those guys didn't have ideas for him but he's not signed but he's not signed, so now WWE can take a guy in the middle of those storylines. I mean, the impression I got was the offer was, wasn't anything special. I mean, they wouldn't put him on the main roster. I can't imagine that. I mean, it would just take him on to, to ice him. That would be the only reason. Like, to do that, you're going to have to make an offer on a certain level because you already know that AEW is going to make an offer on a certain level. I mean... So it's interesting, I think the imagination going on right now between AEW and WWE, it's really interesting. Again, 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 I just ask, I ask, actions speak louder than words. And it's not the first time, WWE only wants Jory Ryan because they want the guy away from All Elite Wrestling. They're afraid. They're afraid. Why would you even want Joey Ryan in WWE? I, I I don't even trust them on booking Joey Ryan on the main roster. Like I don't. They're gonna they're gonna tone him down to the point where they're gonna make me care less about Joey Ryan. And it's not the only person. He's not the only person. They signed Goldberg to work a Saudi Arabia show just to keep him away from all elite wrestling. Again. Actions speak louder than words. They're afraid, ladies and gentlemen. They're afraid, whether they want to admit it or not. They're afraid. The superstar shakeup. Apparently, I'm hearing that it's going to continue on Monday Night Raw. I'm hearing that they're going to. The superstar shakeup was fucking garbage. I'm sorry. The superstar shakeup is garbage. Now, apparently, according to Brian Alvarez on the Wrestling Observer Live, that he was told by one person, and and this is what he said. Now, he said, somebody told me that somebody showed Vince the NFL draft after the superstar shakeup and all of that, all the pomp and circumstance and how they built everything up and what a giant deal it was, and apparently they're going to do things differently next year. Uh, have we been staying there for a long time? And you know what some people said about the Superstar Shake-Up? You know how WWE viewed it? It was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass. Why not? We You should have started with the draft. 
Why? Because you're afraid of the word draft? That's why you call it the superstar shakeup and people don't know where the fuck they're going? Come on, man. Come on. You could do better than that. Braun Strowman. Good old Braun Strowman. Why? He probably messed up another push for himself in WWE. Now, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they reported that Strowman forgot some of the spots during his WrestleMania moment, which has created another situation for him where he is being kept back once again. And it says, and I quote, apparently the end was a mess and Strowman forgot his spot, which is one of the reasons Strowman hasn't done much wrestling. Now, like I said, they killed everything that made me care about Braun Strowman. And Strowman, he's just, he's just, they treat, they're treating him like a fucking mascot. He's like the big show right now. And that's not saying much. Like if, like they had their chance with Braun Strowman, they got to do everything they can to bring him back up to, uh, being a top guy. Because right now he's not a top guy in my eyes. I'm sorry. Vince McMahon, again. He nixes a big angle for EC3 because he hated it. Now, we mentioned it with Luke Harper, him having a match with EC3 on SmackDown. Now, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they noted that EC3 and Drake Maverick were paired up for a trial run with a bunch of manager spots in the match. This was only the reason why Harper was brought in for the show to use in this trial. But when Vince saw it, what they did, he hated it. Uh... They said, and I quote, Harper was basically used as an opponent to test out EC3 and Maverick Parent as wrestler slash manager. The, ag- the agent set up a bunch of manager spots in the match. Vince then watched, the- watched it and said he hated the manager spot. Well, gee, um, well, I got nothing, man. I, I got nothing. And I- I- I'm just going to say it again. Why the fuck did you call him up from NXT? He should have stayed on NXT. Like, if this is the result EC3 is going to be in, he should have stayed in NXT. Now, I'm not going to lie. The Maver- the Drake Maverick EC3 pairing is great. They had they did that in Impact. They did that in Impact. And now WWE, and now Vince McMahon's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this pairing with Drake Maverick. Get it out of here. Get it out of my sight, damn it. Ugh. That's ridiculous, you know. I'm 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 at a loss for words. <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. Now, a manager for EC3 would have been nice. I'm even hearing rumors that Dixie Carter's doing something with WWE. I don't know what it is, but it's. I mean, I can imagine Dixie Carter as EC3's manager. That would be nice. That would be nice, but it's not going to do him any favors either. Because they're just burying this guy six feet under. They're going to continue to bury him until he walks out. Again, I ask, why the fuck did you call EC3 up from NXT if you have no idea what the fuck you're going to do with this guy? I just want to know. That's all. Saudi Arabia, we got to talk about this. The blood money WWE's getting. Now, there's two stories. For Vince McMahon's morals and now WWE not in control of the Saudi deal. They signed a deal with the devil. I mean, I ain't, I'm not going to talk about this show. I'm not going to talk about the show. I mean, if you want me to, just let me know on a tweet. But I'm not going to talk about it because it's my platform. Like, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time watching it. Now, Dave Meltzer, he spoke on Wrestling Observer Radio about how much WWE can, how much control WWE really has with their current deal with Saudi Arabia, Blood Money, to, Blood Money Electric Boogaloo. Uh, the answer, in short, is that they have very little say in what happens or what, or when it takes place either. 
He said, and I quote, They're not in control. Saudi Arabia is in control of all this. People think w- that WWE is making all the decisions. They're not making any of these decisions. Saudi Arabia goes, we want you on this day. Oh, we changed our mind. Now we got to reschedule everything. This is not WWE's go- goings. Oh, we can't come up. Come on, May 3rd, let's move it to June 7th. It's like, no, we asked for May 3rd, we've changed our minds, we want you on June 7th. Then they have rearranged everything because that's what the Saudi Arabia, that's when Saudi Arabia asked for them to come. And them doing another Saudi, going back to Saudi Arabia, is solidifies Vince McMahon's lack of morals. Now, Dave Meltzer also talked about that. And he claims, now this is what he said, he knows it. Now, the report said he knows the chairman pretty well, and uh, this is obviously a financial decision to stay with the Saudi Arabia deal. However, it also brings up another interesting question about why others would choose not to protest as well. Now, this is what Dave Meltzer said. When I woke up and I found out that Bill Goldberg was going to was doing that Saudi Arabia show, I was like, really? It was like, it's like there's nobody that does that show. In fact, that WWE is doing that show obviously disappoints me. I'll put it in this way. It would disappoint me if it was another promotion doing it. WWE, it doesn't disappoint me because I have no qualms or thoughts as far as Vince. It's like Vince is what Vince is. You know what I've you know what Vince is. When I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this grammar. I'm sorry. I'm a grammar Nazi. When you know what Vince is nothing Nothing's going to disappoint you because that's what Vince is. He can be somewhat of a rich guy with no morals, or he can be like a super rich guy with no morals. But he's got no morals either way, you know. So everything that's done is done for a certain reason. And in the end, it's like it's money. And you know a lot of people would pull out of Saudi Arabia. Vince is not going to pull out. If he's forced to pull out, he will. He's got no economic necessities to do ooh these shows, but he's still going to do them, unquote, um, it, I, I just, I got nothing, man, like, and you have Roman Reigns himself saying that, um, that he wouldn't work a Saudi Arabia show, but he's advertised, he's advertised for the show, I mean, probably on his own, probably because they forced him to be on the show, that's what I'm hearing, but, I'm not going to talk about this Saudi Arabia deal. It's not even worth uh, covering on this podcast because it's just, I'm still protesting about what happened at Crown Jewel. Simple as that. And I, I got nothing else to add about this. I really do. Like, Vince already has no morals. The only way he's going to have morals is if someone actually had the balls to stand up and speak up. But that's not going to happen. Vince is not going to care. That does not surprise me whatsoever. And I'm sorry if my nose is getting congested right now, but it does it just doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Monday Night Raw. Let's let's move away from that. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw for a second. Oh my goodness, man. The lows keep getting lower. As Solomaster said it best, the lows keep getting lower. WWE. Oh my goodness, man. Raw drew another record low outside of the football season with just 2.16 million viewers turning into uh turning into uh in this week. This week's show was a big drop from last week. Two last week's 2.37 million viewers, and it's another sign that a major overhaul is needed. <laughs> Creative. 
Another scary stat is that there were 18% viewership drop from the first to the third hour. The third hour was watched by just 1.9 million viewers. It's a horrible number. But another thing worth noting is that the show didn't start off strong as the first hour drew just 2.34 million viewers. Now, of course, you could use the excuse, Raw was up against the NBA playoffs. I mean, that's your excuse, but it's your quality of your show that's absolutely garbage. And here's when things get worse, man. Here's where things get really worse before we talk about Monday Night Raw. Vince McMahon... And this is not a surprise to me, but this just gets, it's just getting ridiculous. He's still tearing up the Raw script the day of the show for rewrites. Now, Brian Alvarez, he talked about this on Wrestling Observer Live. He mentioned that Brian, no, he mentioned that Vince McMahon was changing the Raw script around yet again this week. In fact, it was yet another week where the script wasn't completed until just before the show was set to go live. Brian Alvarez, he has stated, and I quote, the writers are going to write stuff, but Vince is the one who has to push shows together and changing things around every Monday. Guess what? This past Monday, the script got turned in and just before the show went on the air again. Okay? They had a week to work on this and they worked on it very hard and they show up on and on Monday, Vince just tears the whole thing up and starts all over again. I don't understand why they even bother. Why not just write... Raw on Monday. It doesn't matter what you write the rest of the week anyway. The guy's gonna come in and turn it all around. Shakespeare could write a sonnet and Vince is gonna show up on Monday, throw it out and write something new and then go on television and it's a mess. It doesn't matter about the about the writers. It's Vince McMahon and Mr. Bucktooth McBeaverface himself, Kevin Dunn. If that does not... I just ask, why do you have writers? Why do you have writers? Just why? If you're going to have them write the script only for you to tear it up. It's fucking ridiculous, man. That is absolutely ridiculous. And you wonder why the ratings are getting lower. And I want them to continue to get low. And I'm even hearing rumors that they're trying to get Roman Reigns. Like, I heard that Roman Reigns said he has unfinished business on Monday Night Raw. And apparently they're going to continue the fucking superstar shake up. They're just doing this to get Roman on the show because, look. Roman is not going to draw the needle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Roman is not going to be the guy. It's how you present your fucking wrestling show. And probably right after I talk about SmackDown, we could just go over what I would do to make the show better. Literally. That's what... Ah! Anyway. Anyway. Oh my goodness, man. So the show opened up with Alexa Bliss doing her moment of bliss as she reveals the raw side of the uh, men's money in the bank ladder match. So the men that are in are Braun Strowman because he wanted to, he won the money in the bank. Ricochet, which I'm actually excited for. Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Now these, now Drew and Baron, they won the Money in the Bank uh, briefcases. They, I'm not. It's a contract, okay? But, but this, I don't know. I, I, I just felt that you could have moved Braun away, give it to a guy like a Cesaro, a Sami Zayn, a Cedric Alexander, somebody, because I already lost appeal with Braun Strowman. You're gonna, and I'll be honest, it's like. 
ever since he lost to Brock Lesnar, I just said, I'm done with Braun Strowman. I'm done. Now, of course, this led to a pointless a pointless tag team match between Ricochet and Braun versus Drew and uh, Baron Corbin. So, take a while, guess who won? The Babyfaces won. And Ricochet, he hit a shooting star press after uh, Strowman hit the power slam on Baron Corbin. And may I ask, are they limiting, are they stopping Ricochet from using the 630 or are they just using that for uh, his finisher for uh, something big, like a big match feel? That's that's what I see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the Usos, and they're coming to the ring singing their theme. Now, most people will like it. Some people don't like it. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't want that from the Usos. They should just come out looking all menacing and intimidating. But you're having them come out singing their theme song. Now, their theme song is catchy. I'm not going to lie on that. But, I mean, come on. It's the fucking Usos. I wouldn't do that. They should just come out, walk, look all intimidating, and make them feel important. That's what I would do. Now, they beat the club. I don't know why they moved to Monday Night Raw. And, again, your SmackDown tag team division? Uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get to SmackDown. So, they beat the club. They showed... And this is where I got really, really pissed off. They roll the footage of them catching Dash Wilder, shaving Scott Dawson's back. Am I watching a prank show on MTV? Am I watching something on MTV? Because this is WWE pretty much burying the Revival, humiliating the Revival, just because they did not want to sign a $500,000 deal for five years, which would be like in the two-point-something million dollars. Why would you humiliate the Revival? At this point, I would just say, fuck it, I'm walking out. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I would walk out and just say, just freeze my contract. I don't want you to use me ever again. They're at a point where... Every time the Revival gets humiliated, they want out. And I see it in their eyes. Like, that's that's disgusting. So, you're being petty by doing shit like that to the Revival, to the revival just because they wouldn't sign a five-year a five year deal, which is $500,000? Because it's your fault, WWE, that you promised, you promised the Revival that we're going to fix the tag team division, we're going to give you the Raw titles, and you still treat the tag team division and them like utter garbage. That's your fault. And you're being petty because they don't want to sign? You should just let them go if you see no value in them. And that goes for any talent you have that you're not even utilizing. If you don't see any value in them, let them go. We had a Miz TV with Bobby Lashley with no Leo Rush. Okay, now, we had no Leo Rush, there was no, they didn't give any reason why Bobby, why Bobby Lashley left with Leo Rush, and now Bobby Lashley is speaking in the third person, it's like I'm watching, and I'm like, I had to make this reference, because whoever, if anyone watches the movie Eddie, with uh, Rupi Goldberg as the coach, and you have this player named Stacey Patton, and he always referred to himself to the third person. He's like, if Stacy Patton don't shoot, Stacy Patton don't play. And when he talks in the third person, you know what I said? Quit referring to yourself in the third person and just, just stop. Just, hey, asshole, stop talking in the third person. So we had, we had, uh, I, I just can't put it in words about this. So 
Bobby Lashley asked The Miz, what has he accomplished? Uh, he's a, like, you could just, he could just be an encyclopedia and just tell you what he's done. He main evented WrestleMania. He's held the Intercontinental title eight times. He's a tag, he's held the tag titles about six times, if I'm correct. And he's a former United States champion. He's even held the WWE championship. And let me, and then Bobby Lashley mentioned his father and they brawled, which leads to an impromptu match. Wow. So, of course, Bobby Lashley won because Shane McMahon had to show the photo of, uh, he had to show a photo of, um, the Miz's father, and I honestly don't want this feud, and I don't know why this feud is continuing. This is just going to be a 50-50 booking for, which I'm going to say right now, they, they confirmed a steel cage match at Money in the Bank. Who cares? Who cares? I don't. I mean, I know Shane might do something incredibly incredibly crazy, but I just don't find myself to care. The feud should have just ended right then and there. What happened to fresh matches? That's what I want to know. What happened to fresh matches? Now, we have the war, we have the war Raiders. I'm, I'm not calling them the Viking Raiders. I'm sorry. And I'm not calling them Ivor and Eric. They're Hanson and Rowe. Came out to crickets. You have officially ruined the War Raiders in three weeks. There, nobody made a sound in this match. The crowd was dead. If that does not tell you that you pretty much killed the War Raiders in three weeks, you just show that you just don't give a shit. So, they beat the Lucha House Party with the Thor's Hammer. It's not the Viking experience. It's called Thor's Hammer. <sighs> Then we have Alexa Bliss doing another moment of bliss, introducing the raw side for the women. And the women that are in this Money in the Bank ladder match are, for the raw side, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, and herself. Herself, Alexa Bliss. Now, Naomi and Alexa had a back and forth, and they wanted, and Naomi wanted to have a match. And they had the match, which was god-awful. It was absolutely terrible that I literally was on my PS4 playing Fire Pro Wrestling and booking a better match than this. That's how bad it was. <laughs> now, of course, Naomi defeated Alexa Bliss. Duh. We had a brawl with Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch. I honestly didn't care about it because they're doing everything to make me care less about it. And people fall for these these typical brawls. I don't know how that gets you excited for their match at Money in the Bank because the match is not going to be good. That's just my opinion. That's my opinion. I don't think this is going to be a good match. So we had Sami Zayn. He cut a promo on the fans as always. Uh, like, Sami, he is great as a heel, but it's pretty much Vince McMahon's message to the fans. That's that's the best way I could say it. Now, Sami, he's... If they don't book him like that, like have Vince McMahon constantly shit on the fans by using Sami Zayn as his messenger boy, then I'll be fine with then I'll be fine with that. Sami Zayn should just be in... He should just be wrestling. Like, he should be in Money in the Bank, to be quite honest. Just saying. We have Rey Mysterio beating Samoa Joe again. The United States champion is starting to become worthless as the women's tag team titles. And Rey, he celebrated with his son, which I heard which I heard a rumor that he might have signed with the WWE. And if Dominic is signed with WWE, good on him. Good on him. You get to 
wrestle in WWE, which I would honestly start you off in NXT. I think you would do great there. That's just me. And of course, we had the contract signing with AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. And I was watching this. I'll be honest. I saw this and I'm like, are the fans leaving? Wow, they really don't care. Now, the contract signing was pretty good. I will give it that. But it was, but I love the ending. AJ, he hit the phenomenal forearm on Seth Rollins. And they both went through a table, which I thought was really cool. But Raw was another boring show, as always. And they never cease to amaze me when they do boring shows. And how can they get worse? The world may never know. SmackDown Live. Oh, my God, man. And you thought Raw had it bad. Listen to this. Now, the decline in ratings continued this week, and the new record low was set on Tuesday night. And I'm reading this on Wrestling News. SmackDown drew just 1.833 million viewers, and it beats their previous record low, 1.841 million views. Oh, my goodness, man. Now, we had Kofi Kingston. Now, he opened... He opened the show. Michael Cole introduced Kofi Kingston. Um, I thought Michael Cole was on Monday Night Raw. Why is he on SmackDown? Can you get Tom Phillips to do it? Huh? Just saying. Now, Cole, now this this opening segment, I, I don't know why they have to recap everything that happened with Kofi Kingston. Going through that gauntlet match. Going through that uh, Elimination Chamber match. Trying to get his way in the WWE title picture and showing what happened at WrestleMania. The shit happened three weeks ago, okay? We don't need a fucking recap. We don't need a recap. We know what happened. He's the WWE champion. And and another thing, they introduced him at, as new. It's three weeks. Stop. Stop. He's the WWE champion, okay? Now... Kofi, he talked about that. That was the, that was my big gripe with that segment right there. Now, Kofi, he mentioned Kevin Owens betraying him, turning heel on him, and he wants him to have a he wants to have a match with uh Kevin Owens for the WWE title. And Kevin Owens, he walked, made his entrance. He said, "I accept." And then you had Xavier Woods attack him from behind, only for only for Kevin Owens to super kick him. Now, we had a pretty good match with Becky Lynch and Bayley. They worked pretty good together in ring-wise. So, Becky Lynch, she defeated Bayley. And post-match, she had uh, you had Charlotte attack Becky Lynch. And she ran Bayley into the post. Okay. Okay. Whatever. The Hardys. And the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. What is going to happen with the SmackDown Tag Team Titles? Are the Hardys going to continue to be fighting champions? Or... I'm sorry, I'm drinking a water here. Or are the uh, are they going to vacate the titles? Now, Jeff Hardy confirmed that, and I like how they use Law Sullivan as the reason why, but he was really injured at a, a live event. So, Jeff Hardy will be out for nine months, so he will be getting surgery. And it's such, and it's so that the Hardys, they had to vacate the titles. Now, it sucks because look at the tag team division on SmackDown. You got the B team. You got the New Day. You got, I'm trying to think who else. You got this makeshift team of Nakamura and Rusev. And uh, you got Heavy Machinery. Now, AOP is due to, re- to a return. I could see them going to SmackDown Live. But 
you know what I would have done? All you had to do was just merge the tag team divisions because SmackDown's tag team division is weak. Raw's women's division, it's weak. Merge both divisions. That's all I got to say on that. So we got Oscar and Kyrie Sane defeating two jobbers. And again, Kyrie's insane elbow is a thing of beauty. The iconics on commentary is just oh my goodness. I've never been so mo- I've never been so annoyed that I had to mute my uh laptop when I watch it because that was so annoying to hear them on commentary. I'm sorry. And I just constantly g- was getting bored. So we had Roman Reigns explaining why he attacked Vince McMahon. You got to make a first impression, he says. Uh, Mr. Reigns, sir, you've been making many impressions for like four to five years now. The, like, that's not that's not a reason why. So we had Shane McMahon talking about what he did to his father. And he puts Roman in a handicap match against the B-team. B-team, B-team, no, no, no. B-team, B-team, please go, go, go away and never come back with this gimmick. Seriously. And you have Elias as the special referee slash enforcer. <laughs> and of course Roman was going to conquer the odds. He, he beat the B-team. Whatever. Whatever. It's like they're going back to square one with Roman Reigns. They're trying to, pret- they're trying to portray him as a over this conquering baby face when it's going back. Is falling like on deaf ears on WWE, which I would do is turn the guy heel, but you're making him into a cheap ass John Cena bootleg. Need I say more? We have Mustafa Ali and Finn Balor defeating Randy Orton and Andrade Cien Almas in a tag match. And Randy Orton laid both of them out with an RKO. So for the men's money in the bank match, we have for the SmackDown side. We have Mustafa Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade Cien Almas, and Randy Orton. Nice lineup, but I ask, what about Alistair Black? Why not Alistair Black? Where the hell is Buddy Murphy? He only showed up in NXT and they had the SmackDown uh, sign for him. Where the hell is Buddy Murphy? He could have been perfect. He could have been perfect. Ugh, but you rely on the Intercontinental title. I mean, you could have done Andrade Cien Almas versus Finn Balor for the IC title at Money in the Bank, and you could have had Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy in the Money in the Bank ladder match. That's what I would have done. But I will. But it's going to be nice to see Mustafa Ali mix it up with a guy like Ricochet and Andrade do the same thing. Like, this is, there's some positives, but there's some negatives. Now, for the women's side, we have Bailey, understandable, Mandy Rose, I mean, you wonder why they picked Mandy Rose over Sonya Deville, right? Ember Moon and Carmella. Now, early prediction for me, I'm giving it to Ember Moon. It's not a surprise. I think she has been criminally underutilized. But for the Raw side, I forgot to mention this. Where the hell is Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan? Why not those two on the Raw side? That would have been better. But no, but no. You skip Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot. Sarah Logan, who eliminated Asuka in the Women's Battle Royal, by the way. Just saying. But, I mean, you can't please anybody, can you? That's just me. I'm That's my only gripe with the Raw side of the women. But the SmackDown side is eh. But Ember Moon is the main pick for me. But I ask, what about Mickey James? What about Liv Morgan that you moved to SmackDown Live? Just saying. NXT, man, we got some news regarding NXT, but 
Mako Satomura, she was at the Performance Center as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. You know how WWE does those tryouts. And this was reported by uh, Casey Michaels of Square Circle Sirens. And I don't know if they're planning another, like, I know they're planning another May Young Classic tournament, but it's nice that they got Mako. It's really nice that they got someone who, who's been doing this for many years as a, as a really great trainer. And I think people will get a lot of experience if they work with uh, Mako Satomura-san. Uh, Eddie Dennis from NXT UK, apparently he tore, uh, he had a, I think a tear in his muscle, a meniscus, not a meniscus tear, but a pectoral muscle tear. And he's going to be out for six months, which really sucks to be quite honest. Because, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing what this guy could do on NXT UK. Like, even though he lost to, um, Dave Mastiff at UK TakeOver Blackpool, I was hoping they could have done something, um, more with this guy, but hopefully he recovers on time, and I wish nothing but the speedy recovery for him. Um, we have news on NXT TakeOver. They announced, like, right after uh, NXT went off the air, that NXT will be, uh, has confirmed a new TakeOver. It's going to be on June 1st, and it's gonna more details are going to be revealed by Triple H on his social media. Now, where does it go? I heard rumors that it might be in Atlanta, Georgia. I heard from the Wrestling Observer that it might be in Stanford, that it might be in Connecticut. I don't know. There's uh, so many ideas that I could think of for this possible match card, which I'm not going to spoil for all of you because they did their setup tapings already. So NXT was all about the man himself, Kushida. Now. We started things off with the Forgotten Sons versus Humberto Carrillo, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch, in which the Forgotten Sons, they picked up the win here. Kathy Kelly talked about Shayna Baszler. She she talked to Shayna Baszler about Kyrie and Io, and there was one part I love. Kathy mentioned that that Io has pinned her, but she didn't, didn't, and that pretty much ticked off Shayna Baszler to the point where she smacked the uh, mic off Kathy Kelly's hand. Never uh, do that. And I love Shayna as a heel to be... Shayna is just killing it right now as a heel. And I'm just going to continue saying it. What else is there for Shayna to do on NXT? Like, I fear for her on the main roster, but I think it would be better if she just stayed. That's just me. We have Dominic Dijakovic defeating Mansoor. And after the match, I got to be honest, this was probably the best part of this entire thing. (laughs) <laughs> did his own national anthem on Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> if I had the lyrics up, I would have just singed it to you right now, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, anyway, let me get out of that laughter phase. Cassius Ono versus Kushida. Let me just mention this out the way. Kushida has one of the best entrants that I've ever seen on NXT, and he has the best entrance music as well. And he beat Cassius Ono in a really great match, a really great debut match with the hoverboard lock. They did not change a thing besides the entrance and his music. And I think he has a great future in NXT. I fear for him on the main roster because look at look at Shinsuke Nakamura as an example. Look at what they did to Asuka. And I, I could go on and on. Now, next week, 
We have Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair. Apparently, um, they were bickering uh, at the PC that Bianca didn't like Mia Yim bring, putting her word into her mouth. So we might see a few between these two women. And we also got Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole, baby. I think this is going to be great next week on next week's edition of NXT. Now to close out this podcast, we're going to do something different. We're going to have the, I'm going to announce the winner of my hashtag dream match Tuesday on Twitter, which I will be doing pretty much weekly. If, and if things go out pretty damn good, which it is, I might do some to upgrade it a little bit more. If, and I'll announce it right now. If you DM me, on Twitter, your idea for Dream Match Tuesday, I will shout you out on the next episode. I will shout you out on the podcast when we go to this segment. So, so this Dream Match Tuesday I did on Twitter was Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins wanted this match. I'm going to give you this Dream Match of my choosing. Now, I recently counted the results and... Boy, this was a this was neck and neck. I got to tell you guys right now. It was neck and neck. Now, originally it was tied 6-6, but one of them had 7. And that person who won this match was Seth Rollins. Most of you guys think Seth Rollins could beat Kenny Omega. Now, if it was if it was my choice, I would say Kenny Omega in a heartbeat. No no disrespect Seth Rollins, but you got nothing against the best bout machine, but so the winner of this match is Seth Rollins. So this dream, another now next episode I'm gonna next episode I will shout out someone who gave me a really nice idea for the next dream match Tuesday. But uh, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Keep up with me on Twitter. That's we're gonna end the podcast right here. Keep up with me on Twitter. You will see me for Wrestling Wednesdays, Follow Fridays. You will see me tweet on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live and possibly NXT. And uh, Dream Match Tuesday, you're going to like this one. I'm going to tell you right now. Keep up with me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. You will not be disappointed. And let the world know that Dream Match Tuesday is the best place to grow the wrestling community. Now, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast. And... Always believe in yourself, and I don't know why I leave with this motivational quote. Just believe in yourself. Have faith in what you're doing. Don't let anybody doubt you that you can't do this. Most importantly, just have fun with it. If it does, like, it will get big. Always believe in yourself. That's all I could tell you. So, we're going to end it right here. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page. Continue to email me your wrestling-related questions at the one and only Phoenix1993 at gmail.com. Include your name and where you're from, and I will shout you out on this podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless. And I will see you guys next time. Talk to you later. (laughs) 